0: Welcome to the arena where sometimes the hardest part is showing up. My name is Linda McLaughlin. Thank you for being here. I had a wonderful opportunity to speak to a former colleague of mine, Heather Beamish. She has an incredible story of courage that I look forward to sharing with you. Thank you for listening. This is episode two. Thank you for doing this.
1: Of course. I'm delighted. I, I didn't even have to think twice when you sent the email, because anything that you're doing, it's exciting. And I love the the leap that you took. And that's the kind of courage that inspires me. I just want you to know that because I'm happy to be part of this. And I feel honored that you picked me.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. You are a Jamaican, Métis, Irish, person of color, a queer poet, a spoken word artist, and a media maven. You were also a pastor in your church. Did I miss anything?
1: Um, sports lover, I don't know, tree kisser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. I think you got all the, the important ones.
0: <laughs> what event in your life has had the most profound impact?
1: Probably my my coming out. I think mm-hmm. that that was such a that was such a crossroads, a pivotal moment in my life. That there were so many factors of my identity that were linked to that. That that would have to be the biggest.
0: I, I mentioned at the beginning that you were a pastor. How were you able to hang on to your faith through that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard because when I came out, a lot of people in my life, uh, the pastors in my life, the church was telling me, "You're going to hell. You're an abomination. God's never going to love you." And so, like to to unpack and to uh, separate their words with the reality of how God feels about me, it took time. But I did some reading. I was feeling jaded and and angry, but I wasn't completely depleted so community reading seeing other people living out their truths and hearing literally hearing someone be like no you can actually be queer and Christian and like no God doesn't think God doesn't think you're a mistake like you don't have to live under that shame anymore and literally hearing other people say that in book form and in person and I began to internalize those realities and begin to for myself think critically and allow that allow myself to receive that love and that affirmation from God, it began to pick up momentum. And so as a result, I was able to to shed that old skin, those old narratives that no longer served or suited me.
0: It sounds so easy.
1: Oh yeah, right? <laughs> nah. <laughs> lots of tears and lots of poems in between. <laughs> mm.
0: Is there a piece of poetry that's stepping into what you needed from yourself in order to go through that?
1: Yeah, I feel like that whole process, that whole season of my life was very much about me inviting myself to show up to my own life. And so this, yeah, this piece embodies a little bit of that. But let's be honest, showing up to your own story isn't easy. The easy way is the way of hardening, the way of flexing picture-perfect family complexing. The easy way is the way of projecting. Self protecting, staying so busy that you don't have time to face your own life neglecting. The easy way is the way of ignoring, the way of conforming, letting the soft parts of your heart die and not mourning. The easy way is the way of decorating, the way of adorning, putting lipstick and bow ties on your vices, performing. But the easy way is broken. So ease away. I said, the easy way is empty. So ease away. Wow. I just felt like I was just kind of wrestling with all that. And it's so much easier just pretend to fake, to stop showing up. But it's Mm. not in the end, it's broken, right?
0: You have this beautiful Instagram presence. You weave your poetry and these amazing photographs So many of the narratives that you've just talked about weave through those photos, but what is absent from that Instagram life? What do we not see in your Mm. Instagram life?
1: Yeah, Uh, that's so real. I think it's so easy to put this, to have this uh, social media projection of like, I got it all together and this is so easy, but I guess what people don't see is the amount of deliberating on the other side before I make a post or the times that I've posted something and literally turned my phone over and like shoved it underneath my pillow or something so that I don't, so I'm not tempted to check how many likes that I have or the self doubt that is going through your mind when people are commenting on things or. Yeah. Like, just like, am I good enough? Like, who am I to say these things? Like, who am I? I'm not even that talented. Like my writing is, it's so elementary. It's poetry. What is poetry? Like, who cares? You know? And so it's like, I feel like those thoughts can totally come and cloud your mind, but I'm getting better at putting those aside. And even when I do have those feelings, despite those feelings, sometimes I'll just do it anyways. That's what people don't see the other side of. And what's worse, your internal monologue
0: or the haters?
1: Oh, it depends on the day. It depends on what I'm talking about, too. I think that because I have such a unique, like a little niche audience, queer Christian, and so there tends to be a lot of Christians. There's a big spectrum of what Christians believe when it comes to like queerness and sexuality. And so I've definitely made posts in the past and I've had people come out of the woodwork telling me where I should go and that it's hell and God doesn't love me and that I need to take my my rainbows elsewhere. And, you know, just like those kind of things. So sometimes it is, they're more of the haters. And that's when I am more intentional about surrounding myself with people who can speak truth. I'll write out affirmations to myself when I don't feel it. What I would say if I were my own friend, if I were my own mother or older sister, what what would I tell myself? And I think that those have been some of the most healing. I've cried just writing out my own little affirmations to myself, things that I never heard my parents say to me. And that's okay, because I now I have the health and the ability to do that, and so I will. I'll comfort myself, and I have a fantastic partner who is such a supportive cheerleader. She's always right there just in my corner uh, supporting and, and doing all that she can to, to love and nurture me as well.
0: What has stopped you from pursuing your goals?
1: Oh probably me. I feel like at the end of the day, if I boil all my excuses down, it's probably just just me being afraid. I'm a writer, right? But I was never I've never been good at spelling. And I had a tumultuous childhood and I didn't I couldn't spell for a long time. I I moved to the city and struggled so much in school because Our class was so bad that we didn't learn a lot. Like, I remember I was so behind and I was, I moved to Brampton, I was sitting in high school and I was sitting there and they were telling us like, this is should all be review from what you learned. And like, I've never heard any of this before. And so I thought for a long time, I wasn't smart. And that was something I really internalized. And I was, and so it limited me, it's like what I could do. And I remember when I found pastoring, I found, uh, I was like, I had a lot of people affirm that the gift that they saw in me. So I just thought, I thought that that was just my lane and that was my only lane. And it took me on learning some of those really bad narratives that I had just believed about myself, but I've been the one to hold myself back. And so in these recent years, I've been trying to be more intentional about the affirmations and about surrounding myself with inspiring stories of people who overcame their their situations. So through memoir and through books, I have some best friends that they don't even know. People who have inspired me over through their lives and their
0: choices. What's essential to living a courageous life?
1: I I know courageous living sounds like, yeah, I have a lot, got to do a lot of stuff and I got to sweat and I got to be out of breath and I got to run and I got to put myself out there. But like truly like courageous living is just showing up and continuing to show up and yeah, embracing each day as it comes. In my opinion, it starts on the inside with a little gentleness, a little bit of probing and exploration and curiosity for yourself and asking yourself those hard questions of, like, Am I happy? Does this actually feel right? I know that's what I've always done, or that's the job I've always had, or is this a true reflection of like who I am now? And I feel like that definitely happened with me. I outgrew some friendships. It was really hard. I'm such a a sentimental relational person that it was really hard for me to admit they don't want to see me succeed. One person, literally we were out and my friend was drunk and she said, she was like, I love to see you fail. And my partner had said to me like, this person's not really good for you. I don't feel like the energy they're bringing to the table and like you're putting in a lot more energy than they are. I have been able to care about myself enough to be able to now see some of those things. For so many years, there was a lot of dysfunction, and then I went into the church, and then there was just a lot of control. And so me thinking for myself and me being critical of my own decisions was something that was not encouraged in church. The, you succeed when you just conform. I don't remember what you asked me, but I hope that, <laughs> that answered.
0: What's essential to living a courageous life?
1: Mm, yeah, self-love, self-curiosity. Surrounding yourself with a a tribe and a community that is trying to do their best to do the same. You know, it's not necessarily people who are like toppling governments and changing the world in that way, but just people who are just doing little everyday things to just be more authentic. And I'm like that. I like that.
0: What impact do you want to have on the world?
1: So my goal is to, like, I want to take stages and I want to be able to communicate my art to the masses and I want to be able to share hope and inspiration and, and increase representation of, like, I am a Black queer woman and I'm a Christian. And, like, you know, just, like, I want to do all those things. But the legacy that I'm more interested in is more just more of a local one. It's with my friends and my family, my partner. I want to learn how to love myself better. I want to continue to work on the relationships that are in my life and I want to really like cherish and care for and be present. I don't want to be so distracted about getting more stuff and things that I don't, yeah, I don't get to celebrate the people that I'm I've been blessed to be able to live my life with. So the legacy I'm really interested in is more relational, communal, community focused.
0: Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate this conversation and I have learned a great deal from you and I am really inspired by you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Linda. It means a lot.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in to hear my next guest's story about transitioning from her 20 plus year career as a film programmer to embracing the new world in the time of covid and the next phase of her life. She's a mentor, a dear friend, and a great storyteller. Until next time, I'm your host, Linda McLaughlin in The Arena.